0: Ready to study again from the Word of God. Thank you for being here. We may have visitors with us as well. May God bless you. Luke chapter 18, we'll begin our study there in just a moment. This week, I was thinking a lot about the teaching of Jesus and just how amazing Jesus was as a teacher. You could describe him as being the master teacher. Uh, the way that he taught during his ministry would catch the attention of his audience. When you look at Matthew chapter 7, we won't read that, but after the Sermon on the Mount in verses 28 and 29, by the time he got done speaking, the crowds were amazed at his power. They were amazed at the authority in which he taught. And when you study the teachings of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it really forces you, it forces all of us to really think and to ponder the things that he said. Well, there's a story that I want us to think about for a few minutes this evening, and it's going to be found here in Luke chapter 18. It is the parable of the persistent widow. Get the clicker here. There it is. Let me ask you a question. How familiar are you with this parable? It's a short parable, and when you read it, I think we can pick up on it fairly quickly what Jesus is trying to get across. How familiar are you with parables as a whole? When you read Matthew, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, in particular, you see that Jesus would often teach in parables. These were powerful stories that would drive home certain points. Sometimes he would explain the parable in detail, like in Luke chapter 8 with the story of the parable of the sower. But other times there would be no explanation, which would force the, the listener and the reader to really consider what was being taught. Our theme for this month, as we strive to become more like Christ, is dealing with faithfulness. And we talked a little bit about that this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 2. We saw how God is faithful, how we are to be faithful as well. And as I was thinking about our theme, I I thought about Luke chapter 18. And there are some observations that I would like to make from this text as we consider the fruit of the Spirit being faithfulness. So here's what we're going to do tonight, just for a few minutes. We're going to read Luke chapter 18, the first eight verses, and then we'll make some observation about it and some application along the way. The Bible says in Luke 18, verse number 1, Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When you look at Luke chapter 18, it's pretty easy to see the point of the parable, right? Did you pick up on it in verse number one? He tells us exactly the point of the parable. Uh, The point of the parable is very clear, that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. That's what he said in verse number 18. Now, he was telling them a parable. This goes back to Luke chapter 17. In verse number 22, we find in Luke chapter 17 and verse 22 that Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He would talk to them about his coming death and resurrection, and he would also talk about the destruction that would eventually take place in the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And so in Luke chapter 18, we find that he's continuing to talk to his disciples, and he's going to share this parable with them, that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. When you think about what Jesus said here, when you look at the Gospels as a whole, we find how many times, or just the emphasis, that Jesus placed upon prayer. Whether he was praying uh, alone early in the morning, like in Mark chapter 1, verses 34 and 35, we find that Jesus recognized the power of prayer. In Luke chapter 11, he was with his disciples, and he was teaching them about the power of prayer and why they needed to pray, and how they were to go about praying. In fact, in Luke chapter 18, if you just drop down a couple of verses here, in verse, uh, verses 9 and 10, uh, verse number 10, it says, Two men went up into the temple to pray. And so he's going to give this uh, story here of the Pharisee and the tax collector and how they approached God in prayer and the type of heart that we are to have as we approach our Father in prayer. So it's amazing to see just how often Jesus emphasized the importance of prayer. Whether he was teaching it, whether he was practicing practicing it, we see that prayer is vital for the people of God. This is what he's going to drive home time and time again. This certainly would be important for the saints in the first century as they would face different kinds of persecution and things That they would hardships in the future. We'll come back to this in a little bit. That's the point of the parable. He tells us from the very beginning, before he even dives into it, here is what I want you to hold on to, here's what I want you to remember, that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. Then he went into the parable and he would give us some details or give us two people. Uh, that that he's emphasizing. The first was a persistent widow and the wicked judge. And it's interesting that he uses a wicked judge and a widow to really drive home this point that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. I want to talk just for a minute here about these two individuals. When you think about judges, whether it was during the, the days of Jesus or in the Old Testament, judges during this time were to be righteous in nature they were to judge righteously and fairly. They were to be God's representative administering justice to those who needed it the most. Hold your place here and turn back to 2nd Chronicles chapter 19. We find in the days of Jehoshaphat in 2nd Chronicles chapter 19 just an example of how the judges or what the judges were supposed to look like and certainly I think this would apply even in the days of Jesus these men and how were they how they were supposed to uh, to rule. In 2nd Chronicles chapter 19 In verses 5, 6, and 7, he appointed judges in the land and all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city. And he said to the judges, consider what you are doing. For you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who is with you. When you render judgment, now then let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do, for the Lord our God will have no part in unrighteousness or partiality or the taking of a bribe. So when you look at these judges and how they were supposed to act and and to interact with individuals, they were there was a pattern that they were to follow. They were to judge righteously. Now looking at this story here it becomes very clear that this judge was wicked in nature. Verse number two, it says, there was a judge who did not fear God and he didn't respect man. So he wasn't concerned about God and what God wanted him to do as he would interact with individuals and he didn't really respect people. This was not a good judge. Some describe this man as the unjust judge or the wicked judge. Certainly he was the model for others to follow. So when you think about the judge and the widow, You see this contrast here. You see this judge who was wicked, and now this widow who would come to him. And if you have a good understanding of how widows were, the lifestyle that they would have had, the the challenges that they would have had, it really makes the story even more powerful. In our Bible class last quarter, we were in the book of Acts. And remember in Acts chapter 6, the needy widows, some of the Hellenistic widows were being neglected. That kind of gives us an indication of the type of lives that these women would have led. They didn't have much. If you were a widow during that time, you had very little. You were very vulnerable, and you would need the assistance from others. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul is going to list a variety of, of widows or different kinds of widows and the needs that they would have along the way. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 27 in the Old Testament, we find... In verse number 19, how God even gave instruction with how widows were to be treated. In Deuteronomy 27 and verse number 19, he said to the people of Israel, cursed is he who distorts the justice due an alien, orphan, and widow. And all the people shall say amen. Uh, God always viewed widows in a special way, and they were to be taken care of and treated in a particular way. So you have this widow who's in need. She's going to this judge, but the judge doesn't care about her. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't respect man. He's not interested in in righteousness. He's not interested in passing righteous judgment. But what's interesting is that this widow, she was a strong woman. She did not give up. She was persistent. And go back and look at Luke chapter 18. The language is pretty amazing. This widow in that city. And she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. I don't know exactly what that may have been. I don't know if that was a a creditor or something like that. But nonetheless, this woman was in the right and she was asking, you give me what I need. You give me this legal protection. Notice that she kept coming to him saying, so she didn't just go before the judge once. She was persistent and she kept going back to the judge time and time again. And the Bible says in verse four, for a while he was unwilling, but watch this. Afterward, he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man. I don't care about this woman. I don't care about God. But even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me. (laughs) Why was this widow bothering him? Because she was just so persistent. She wanted justice. And she wasn't going to take no for an answer. She kept going back to the judge time and time again. Yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. So the judge said, I've had enough of her, all right? Whatever you need, I'm going to give to you. And that's exactly what she would get. She was persistent. She didn't give up. She kept on going. The odds certainly would have been stacked against her, but she kept on going to this wicked judge. And eventually he was compelled to move. We find that he would eventually avenge her adversaries. So that's the story in a nutshell. When you look at this story, though, it is interesting because Jesus is driving home a point. What's the point of the parable? It's found in verse number one, that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. And so when I was reading this, one of the questions that I had, why did Jesus use this widow and this unjust judge as this example to really drive home this point that we ought to be persistent in prayer? That the Christians in the first century who were going to face difficult days, persecution, why would they have to be persistent in prayer? Why did he use these two individuals? What do you think about that? Well, certainly he's using this story and this widow and a judge for to drive home this point. And I believe what he's doing here, what Jesus is doing here, I think he's using this how much better type argument. If this judge who is wicked and did not care about God and did not respect man was willing to move on behalf of this widow, how much more or how much better is your heavenly father going to move on behalf of you? who are disciples, who are Christians, who are followers of him. Some have said that this is an argument from the lesser to the greater. So he's using this argument of the unjust judge, I think, to drive home this point. If this wicked man will eventually do this, eventually did all that for the widow, then what is the Lord going to do for you? How much more will your father in heaven do for you? Let's be very clear. He's not describing God as being unjust. He is not describing our father in heaven as being wicked or anything like that. On the contrary, I think he's trying to drive home this point of how much better our father in heaven really is. And So if this unjust, wicked, cruel judge would have compassion for this woman. Now think about what God is going to do for his people. And I think that's the point he's trying to drive home. You look back in Luke 18, he said in verse number six, the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's the story. We've seen the point. We've seen the story. So now let's talk a little bit about some application as we think about God and as we think about ourselves. I think there are some powerful thoughts for us to consider. Certainly Jesus wanted his people to ponder this parable here. Look, this parable is pretty easy, I think, to understand. You can read through it. But yet I think there are some powerful thoughts that we need to really consider and really think about and even examine when it comes to our faith in God and as we look at our Father in heaven. Let me just share with you a couple of thoughts that I had when I look at this story here and when I think about God in heaven. When you look at this story here and you see the difference between God and this unjust unjust judge, one of the things that comes to mind is that our God, he is just. This judge in the story, he's wicked. And yet we understand better that our Father in heaven, he is just. He's not cruel like the unjust judge, that he's always going to do what is right. He's always going to do what is fair. Not only that, but our Father in heaven, he hears his people. He hears his people. Notice that Jesus said, Will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? God hears the prayers of his elect. And what a powerful promise that is for us, that he sees your prayers. He sees and hears my prayers. He sees our tears. He sees our challenges. God hears his people. He is just. Not only that, but God, He is, he's compassionate. When you contrast him with this, unwick, with this wicked judge, that judge had no concern for God, and he had no concern for man. And yet, that's not the case for our Father in heaven, is it? Our Father in heaven, my friends, he is compassionate, he is loving, he is caring, he is merciful, he is gracious. He sees our frustrations as we live in this wicked world. As the saints would go throughout the first century, he would see their challenges, he would see their difficulties along the way. I can't help but think about the book of Revelation as a whole, as the people of God and in the, in, in the local congregations that Jesus spoke to, all the challenges that they faced as they were dwelling uh, among wicked people in the first century. And yet God was with them. And that was a driving point that would be demonstrated all throughout the book of Revelation. One passage that comes to mind is in Revelation chapter 6. Uh, where the saints were crying out to God in Revelation chapter 6, verse number 10, as they were crying out for justice. In Revelation chapter 6, and verse number 10, let me just turn over there and read that real quickly. Where the Bible says, we'll start in verse 9, When the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging? and avenging your blood or our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Certainly God heard the the petitions of his people, the cries of his people, because he is compassionate in nature. And as we look at this parable here, not only do we learn that he's just and that he hears his people and that he's compassionate, but make no mistake about it, my friends, God will respond. He will respond to his people. That's what Jesus is saying here. When you go back to Luke chapter 18, that the Lord hears our prayers. He sees what we are experiencing, what the people were experiencing then. And he is very clear that God will respond, that he will take action. He will move on behalf of his people. Isn't that amazing? That as we cry out to God, as we petition him in prayer, he hears our prayers and he will move on our behalf. And yet there is something maybe a little bit more challenging for us to think about. And that is the language that he bears long. That's what we find in verse number seven, that he will delay long over them. In verse number seven, it says, now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? Some translations say, will he keep putting them off or will he delay long over them? While the unjust judge initially did not move on behalf of the widow, what did he eventually do? He eventually did move. He eventually responded to this woman. He eventually acted on her behalf for her good. And so it is with God. You know, at times Christians can feel like, where is God? And is he really listening to my prayers? And and why is all of this taking place in my life? Well, it may not seem like God is interested. My friends, that is never the case. He's always concerned with the affairs of his people. And as the people in the first century, the saints would face difficult days coming ahead. They know that they ought always to pray and not lose heart because the Lord was with them. God would hear their prayers. And when you think about God, God always moves according to his time. His timing is always perfect. And therefore, we never should question his timing. God is patient towards the wicked. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, he, desires, he, doesn't, he doesn't desire anyone to be lost. But he's long-suffering towards those who are in need of repentance. But make no mistake about it, one day justice will be served. We, make that, we see that very clearly in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. When the Lord returns, one day justice will be served. And those who are in Christ will be with him in heaven. And those who are not will be eternally separated. So when it comes to our petitions, while it may feel like God is silent or not interested in us, the truth is he always has been and he always will be. The disciples needed to remember that as they would face difficult times. They needed to trust what God said. With the coming destruction of Jerusalem, they needed to rely upon the words of God. With the challenges that they would face along the way, they needed to rely upon the word of God. They needed to remember what Jesus said in verse number one, that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, we can look at all of this on the screen, and I think this is pretty easy to understand. He's just, he hears his people, is compassionate, will respond. But I think that last part can be a little bit challenging, although he will delay or bear long or uh, the idea of putting off for a while. And that's where we're going to have to have faith. That's where we're going to have to trust our Father in heaven. And so as we learn some application or learn some things about our God, there's some things that we need to take away from this parable as well. My friends, we ought, number one, we ought always to pray. We ought to be people of prayer. Uh, This should be a normal part of our lives. Now, somebody may be saying, duh, I get that. Yeah, we pray and we read the Bible, right? Well, of course, yeah. The truth of the matter is sometimes we struggle with this concept of prayer. Not only should we pray, but as we pray, Jesus in Luke chapter 18 gives us a variety of things to think about, that we pray with a humble heart as that tax collector recognized that he was a sinner in need of of forgiveness. But also, we must be persistent and bold in our prayers. I think one of the biggest challenges is being persistent and being consistent uh, when it comes to prayer. Sure, we can pray every once in a while. Sure, we can pray when things are really bad, but we need to be consistent and diligent in our prayers. And as we are persistent, it means we don't give up. That woman who was a widow, she didn't give up. The judge said no. The judge had no regard for her at all. I don't want anything to do with you. Get away from me. And yet she was so persistent that she caused that judge to move. How much more will our Heavenly Father move on our behalf who loves us, who is just, who is compassionate towards us? And so we need to be persistent and bold in our prayers. And ultimately, we never lose heart. Easy to say, but sometimes that can be hard to do. And maybe this is why Jesus would end this parable in verse number eight by saying, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. God said, I'm going to avenge those who are against you. And while you're going to go through some difficult days, justice is going to come. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? My friends, to be persistent in our prayers is going to require faith. To remain faithful with the Lord, even in the midst of persecution, wicked gener- a wicked generation, that's going to require much faith. The people in the first century, as they heard about the the coming destruction of Jerusalem and all the difficult days that would lie ahead for them, they would have to always pray. And they would have have to make sure that they would not lose heart. That means that we're going to have to be faithful as well. Even when it appears that God is not immediately moving on our behalf. Even when things appear to be moving slowly, we still must pray and not lose heart. But the question for us is that when Jesus ultimately returns, is he going to find people of faith? People who remained with him, people who were persistent and diligent and faithful. Will he find people of faith? Will he find people who did not lose heart and continue to be earnest in prayer? I think there's something powerful to think about as we think about the fruit of the spirit, which is faithfulness. What do you think about this statement? That a lack of prayer demonstrates a lack of faithfulness. What do you think about that? you think there's any truth of that? That a lack of prayer might just show where we are with this fruit of the Spirit and faithfulness? That a lack of prayer may demonstrate a lack of faithfulness. I know we can say a lot of things. We can say that we are too busy. Everybody's busy, right? And sometimes we can say, well, I forgot to pray and things like that. But I want you to imagine for a moment, if you were in the position of that widow, and you didn't have anything, and you needed justice, you needed, you, needed, you needed what the judge could give you, but you were weak and vulnerable and alone and desperate, how persistent would you be going to that judge night and day until he moved on your behalf? Wouldn't you be persistent? I think all of us would say yes. You really think about it. Maybe you are just like this widow. That we are weak. We need the Lord. We need his strength. We, all, we are vulnerable as we live in this world. We need to rely upon our Father in heaven. And we should be praying desperately and passionately and deeply to our Father in heaven. Because he is compassionate. He is just. And he will move on our behalf. So maybe one of the ways for us to examine our faithfulness to God is maybe by examining our prayers. We often talk about faithfulness, and I think rightfully so, about attending worship and things like that. That's great. But maybe we should also be looking at our faithfulness when it comes to our prayers. And that's not going to be something that others are going to really be able to see. That's something that all of us are going to have to look in the mirror. That's something that God knows. So a couple of questions for all of us. Are we praying? Yeah, we're praying. But are we consistent in our prayers? And as we pray, are we bold and persistent and continually go to our Father in heaven? We're not too busy. We have all the time in the world. And this is something that we need to be deeply involved in. Do we give up when we look around and see all the hatred that is in this world? Or do we continue to get down on our knees and be persistent in our prayers to God? Have we allowed doubt and uncertainty to hinder our prayers? When God looks at Benjamin Lee, and when he looks at you, what will he see? Will he see a person of faith, a person in prayer, a person who is persistent, bold, and refusing to give up the fruit of the spirit is faithfulness, and as we think about faithfulness, what if we considered our prayers? how deep our prayers are, the boldness, the intensity, the consistency of them. We talk about each one of these fruit or fruits uh, once a month or one of these virtues once a month, but you all know this has to be more than a month-long endeavor, right? We talked about love at the beginning of the year and joy and peace and patience and goodness. But all of these things have to be more than just once a month. These things have to continue to abound, continue to grow, continue to increase. The same is true when it comes to our prayers. This is a lifelong endeavor. And there was nothing that was going to get in the way of that widow. She needed She knew exactly what she needed. And she was going to be persistent to the very end. And that must be the attitude that we have. Because one day the Lord will return. And one day everything will be taken care of. Justice will be served to the wicked. But is he going to find us watching, waiting, and praying when that time comes? That's what he's looking for. Will he find that in us? That must be our goal. That must be our ambition. I appreciate your attention this afternoon. As we go into this week, let's be people of prayer. Pray for this congregation. Pray for the West Main congregation. As we begin to do even more for the Lord, as we begin to go out into the community even more and talk to people more, pray for our families, pray for our marriages, pray for our children. Let's all pray for one another. Let's be persistent like never before in our prayers. God says, Jesus says, That at all times, they ought to pray and not lose heart. Let's make sure that we are that kind of people. If you're not a child of God, we'd love to study with you. We'd love to help you to understand what you need to do to be saved. If you are in need of salvation, please come now as we stand and as we sing.